Welcome, everybody. Um, we are back with another meetup date on Kubernetes. This is meetup number three, which will be followed by meetup number four this week. This meetup is actually meetup 29 officially. We're kind of going back um, because we had to reschedule. That's how things work in 2021. We're very, very happy to have Yuri here with us. Um, if we can get the links on the screen just really quickly. Um, as a reminder to everyone, if this is your first time, we are a very welcoming community. We're always looking for folks who are interested in giving talks, sharing their knowledge, no matter what level they have, no matter how much experience they have. If you're a total beginner or if you're a super advanced Kubernetes veteran, um, you always have a place in our community. Um, so feel free to check us out on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Slack. We're always looking for different folks uh, to get involved, also doing things in different languages. Yesterday, we had our first meetup in Spanish. After this meetup, we'll be having our second meetup in Spanish. Yuri, I'm sure that you speak more than two languages, so we may have to get you to, to do something in the future. How many, uh, well, anyway, let's get, to, let's get to know you. Yuri, who are you, how are you, and how many languages do you speak? Cool, hi guys, I'm Yuri. I'm principal engineer working for APSA. I'm pretty, I'm a Russian guy who lives in Czech Republic and works for South African uh, bank. So <laughs> quite a lot of languages. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, and those are just, you know, spoken languages. And we can talk about, we were talking earlier about infra as code, you know, then there are different yeah. other languages that we'll probably be touching on. Um, and so you have a background, you've been working with infrastructure for, for how long? Oh, for a long time. I started back in the university, like a sysadmin in the university. So uh, more than 15 years I'm touching infrastructure. So my the route was pretty interesting, like from sysadmins and to, uh, uh, I relocated to Czech Republic to work for Suzy Linux. So I was doing like system engineering slash QA stuff there with a focus on uh, like uh, operating system and some uh, back in the days, super fancy cloud stuff. So it was OpenStack, Suzy Studio for building images, which is like was very uh, new stuff back in the days, it's pretty much before Docker. And uh, yeah, it, it was uh, pretty cool there. And then I moved to Good Data. Uh, it is business intelligence, actually data uh, specific startup. I was running uh, there as part of a small team. We were running OpenStack based infra before OpenStack was packaged for any distro actually. So we were like running our, our very own. Uh, I think it was OpenStack Folsom, uh, kind of re early release of OpenStack, relatively early, uh, with uh, many rough ages. But uh, we managed to scale it over multiple data centers and what pretty cool experience. Then it was iFlix, uh, which is uh, uh, kind of Netflix, but in based in Malaysia and for another part of the planet. Uh, also like half planet scale. Uh, was pretty cool. We were running Kubernetes on top of AWS before EKS was available. Available, so it was also fun. And uh, uh, I think it was matching. It was pr pretty cool projects there. So uh, we had our reliability issues, and we had to rebuild all this our own automation for uh, uh, running Kubernetes on top of AWS. So we had that issues, kind of like Ansible spaghetti code, and we decided mm -hmm. to switch to. Cube AWS Golang based uh, open source project, which is already deprecated, but it used to be like a, a pretty popular back in the days in 2017. Uh, it uh, was capable to produce a CloudFormation manifest out of like relatively simple YAML with reliability in mind. And uh, to actually prove that we achieved the goal, we wrote some automation, which was like, you know, it wasn't like chaos testing, it was more like de deterministic 
disaster testing, which is killing like master nodes at CD cluster and uh, all this uh, like uh, disaster scenarios. And we proved uh, 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 in a pretty objective way with automations that our clusters can recover in six minutes without any human intervention, in a, even in case of total disaster when SCD cluster uh, like uh, just destroyed over all availability zones, including automatic recovery from the backup. So it was pretty cool there. Wow, it does uh, sound pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, good stuff. And so, you know, you've seen this whole evolution where we were talking a little bit before we got started. You've seen this whole evolution. And one of the things that you, you've spoken about is, uh, you know, test-driven infrastructure. Um, some of the things we're going to be looking at today, you know, we can talk about load balancers. Could you explain just a little bit? Or I don't want to, or maybe we want to save this for your presentation, but moving from a load balancer to a scenario in which it would be necessary to have a global load balancer. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, actually, uh, it's very good introduction to the stuff we are going to talk about to the project. So uh, it originated uh, in APSA by the need that uh, standard. Uh, so why first? First of all, why global load balancing, right? So uh, APSA footprint uh, is mostly on-prem now. It's it's kind of hybrid. Uh, with a transition to AWS, which is pretty common nowadays to, for enterprises to transition to the cloud, but still uh, a lot of uh, footprint in our own data centers. And to achieve uh, high availability and reliability, usual deployment scenarios to, is uh, uh, to deploy application in parallel to two different Kubernetes clusters, which are geographically located in uh, two uh, different data centers. So uh, basically limiting um, uh, failure domain uh, and uh, duplicating deployment over two geographies. So that's, that's why GSLB, uh, so global service load balancing, uh, balancing in a, like a classic understanding of it. And APSA tried uh, multiple vendors uh, and uh, mostly like global, global load balancing vendors, they're doing their stuff pretty well, but still uh, there is this connection from a cloud native Kubernetes scenario. So like you, you're running your clusters, but there is no proper ability to hook in uh, uh, control over um, uh, global load balancer from within the uh, Kubernetes manifest, right? So that's why uh, we decided to build our own. So we, we didn't find any alternative, even proprietary, which uh, uh, would satisfy our idea. And our uh, idea and goal of the project is to uh, first like uh, configure uh, uh, global load balancing uh, strategy and traffic steering in declarative way uh, with a Kubernetes-like manifest. So like this idea, idea uh, yet another CRD, custom resource definition. Uh, so Kubernetes is very good for uh, from an API extension standpoint that regards. And associated controller, obviously. And uh, another main part of uh, it, it's not just enables this Kubernetes power, abstraction power for operation guys and like whoever wants to control the network part, but actually to provide an application development team uh, uh, almost full control over the uh, uh, global um, uh, traffic steering and uh, actual health checks. So uh, we application team can just use a special JSLB resource, uh, specify standard ingress routes there, 
which would uh, correspond to their services they're about to expose. Uh, service will transitively uh, will be looking over pods. And uh, so basically, load balancing health checks uh, will be based on a pod uh, liveness and readiness drops, pretty standard Kubernetes primitives. And associated uh, strategy currently support uh, simple strategies of round robin and failover. So basically, round robin will be in a round manner, uh, balance the traffic over two geographical locations, and failover will pin. It's some main one, and in case of uh, workload is not healthy in the main data center, it will automatically fail over the traffic to a secondary one. So that's uh, uh, that's the main scenarios for us. And yeah, these two strategies are pretty well tested now in a, in a post production and a, in a pre production apps uh, of footprints. Uh, and yeah, all, all this stuff. Uh, is fully open source, and it's also worth mentioning that we designed this uh, solution without any control cluster, without single bottleneck. Uh, like a, uh, there is no single centralized instance that can fail and screw things up. Uh, in contrast, KGB controllers are deployed to a target clusters, uh, to the same clusters where workloads are running, and. Uh, uh, Basically, they sharing the status also via DNS protocol because it's not secret information with the healthiness, right? So, uh, and uh, they returning uh, consistent responses from the balls uh, for all, all, from all GSLB enabled clusters. Uh, so basically, it's it's uh, it designed with the reliability in mind for itself, and all the traffic steering is based on DNS protocol. Uh, with all the uh, like reliability as it's running internet, and also uh, obviously some limitations. So, like um, for example, DNS TTL time to leave whenever workload is uh, not healthy. Uh, the for example failover effect uh, will be visible for a requester for an user uh, in a DNS TTL span. So we usually operate with 30 seconds, and it's enough for us. So it's fast enough for for a global scenario. So yeah, right. and I can I can demo it in a live session. No, no, good, good, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Why don't we jump yeah. in right into your to yeah. your presentation if you want to share your screen? Cool. Yeah. So, do you guys see my very colorful slides? Yes. Yes. Cool. Very minimal. Very very artistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much uh, what I already mentioned. Uh, uh, from implementation standpoint, uh, we are following operator pattern and operator pattern from uh, uh, original core S meaning, right? So we are automating some uh, uh, infrastructure tasks uh, with a spe specific uh, Kubernetes controller. And uh, uh, we heavily utilizing standard Kubernetes primitives uh, so ingress services, endpoints, and pod probes are all in action. And we basically, all, the most heavy lifting of cluster status uh, is done by Kubernetes itself and associated primitives. And we just gathering the status, uh, uh, resource healthiness, sometimes transitively through endpoints and uh, using that in information uh, in a uh, 
global load balancing uh, scenario and uh, associated DNS responses. So, uh, uh, so basically, there is no magic there. We try to design it as simple as possible. Uh, and uh, one important thing. Uh, so uh, we are using ex external DNS as an integral, inter integral part of the project, uh, but we are using it only for uh, uh, configuring zone delegation in a environment uh, in a target envi environment uh, uh, DNS in some DNS provider like Route 53 or Infoblocks or NS1 or you know, something else. We've uh, tested only three, but external DNS as a project supports more. Uh, uh, the thing is, uh, so like we are not pushing there into uh, into some external uh, control zone any records. We configure zone delegation and we basically uh, making a, a KGB itself and its core DNS processes to be authoritative DNS server, which uh, provides dynamically crafted DNS responses according to JSLB strategy specified. So that's the design. So from implementation standpoint, we based our work on operator is the framework and operator is decay is a very nice project to actually bootstrap uh, some um, operator uh, controller. Uh, when you start a new project, it provides a very nice uh, kind of skeleton and uh, uh, a way to uh, define uh, CRDs uh, and a structure for a controller and a reconciliation loop. Uh, it uh, enabled a very start, a very good start of the project. Currently, it like it's a little, it's more complex than original structure. Obviously, it's kind of uh, distributed system uh, by itself, but uh, operator framework gave us very good start and currently they basically they switched to cube builders engine we followed them as well and so it's a cube builder the one that is originated by google plus some uh, 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 cli helping uh, cli uh, uh, helper cli on top so very nice project if you're starting new operator can highly recommend they're also using core dns uh, uh, as a part of kgb deployment that's the part that is actually providing the DNS responses. And it reads the state from a, a LCD database. So we used to run dedicated LCD cluster, like following the external DNS projects with a Sky DNS. Basically, external DNS was reading, reading special DNS endpoint uh, CRD and populating LCD database and core DNS used the LCD dedicated cluster as a backend, but very recently we got rid of this part because it was relatively un unreliable, especially after CD operator, which is responsible for CD cluster deployment, and I got deprecated. So we, in long-running cluster, we faced some reliability issues. So uh, we wrote a Cordinus plugin, which is capable to uh, read a CRD directly without a, a dedicated CD cluster uh, involvement. And uh, basically, we just using now uh, standard Kubernetes API and underlying Kubernetes etcd without duplicating uh, the uh, etcd deployment efforts. Uh, 
so now it's much more reliable and uh, seriously less uh, running processes in, uh, in a KGB namespace. And external DNS is a uh, upstream project that we are using for uh, automated zone delegation configuration in a edge DNS and a target environment DNS provider. And everything is controlled with a single uh, customer source definition. So we have uh, support for three HDNS providers as we, as we name it in the project. So it's Infoblox, it's our main uh, uh, DNS provider for our on-prem scenario. So we implemented first, then for AWS, we obviously using Route 53 and in the close collaboration with NS1 guys, uh, actually operating both on-prem and, and in the cloud. We also integrated with them. Uh, and again, as we use an external DNS, if you guys are running something uh, different, uh, we, there is a good chance that uh, it will work for you uh, uh, relatively easily if you try this external DNS provider uh, together with KGB, but uh, uh, provider API, API uh, coverage and quality heavily debates with an external DNS project, so there are no guarantees. But both Rotary 3 and NS1 is very well maintained. Oh, and uh, we have integration with some another community open source project like Admiralty, which is a cool project for multi cluster scheduling. So we paired, uh, we created some integration and a guide how you can use an Admiralty controller for a, a multi cluster scheduling of a workloads and uh, uh, using KGB. Uh, next to it to enable load, load, load balancing for this multi-cluster workload to expose them in a GSLB way. So uh, you can jump uh, to a demo, but just uh, to demonstrate you some uh, overview. So we have a KGB IOS in a concept section. We have some architectural things. Uh, just to reiterate, so we have a some DNS, uh, 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 some service or human who is producing DNS request, right? Uh, and uh, it goes through HDNS uh, provider. So for example, Route 53, on Route 53, uh, layers on delegation is configured and it involves, uh, for, for simplicity, we will talk only about two clusters. It's actually the main scenario that we are running in production. So we usually have a dedicated cluster for a specific workloads that running player. And uh, yeah, on a DNS, uh, HDNS provider, zone delegation is configured. So, and zone delegation is including the um, worker, it's, a, either worker nodes uh, of the clusters where 53 UDP is exposed, it's our on-prem scenario, uh, or it's a NLB network load balancer in AWS, which is, uh, sits in front of these workers. So, but uh, it's just implementation detail. Uh, it's important just to take into account this, uh, see both of the geographically distributed clusters are going to take care of this uh, specific DNS zone that is GSLB enabled. And the KGB controller is going to create or monitor associated ingress and uh, uh, through ingress and a uh, which is referenced Kubernetes standard Kubernetes service primitives, uh, it will monitor the workload uh, health and uh, through basically uh, port health status. 
uh, effectively does it through service endpoint array, uh, which is populated from more uh, more than zero when at least one pod is healthy. So it's again it's done by uh, Kubernetes itself. We didn't have to implement this logic. So which is uh, another another case for the Kubernetes power. So we can build on top of the uh, and encourage this cluster primitives and <clears throat> abstraction and overall benefits. So that's roughly high level how it works. And uh, uh, we can uh, go to a live demo. Uh, do you guys see my console? Yep, perfectly. Cool, cool. Thank you. Yep. So uh, in a uh, right pane, we are running this sample curl that iterates over uh, test FQDN. So KGB is already deployed in AWS and uh, two EKS clusters. One is in Africa, Cape Town, another one in Europe, Ireland. So uh, let's just look around, get notes. So you'll be just double sure where we are. We are in ULS1. So we are running KGB in this KGB namespace, so controller is running. So it's a it's the main controller where uh, actual uh, Golang code with a uh, reconciliation loop and associated automation and logic resides. Uh, this is CoreDNS that is uh, responsible for uh, DNS uh, uh, part of uh, operations and external DNS. That's the ones that configures this zone delegation automatically in a route is three in this specific scenario. So how we actually operate. So everything is installed. So how we enable um, uh, global load balancing for some workload. So in a test, just will be namespace. We have some workload running. I'm using uh, Podinfo, which is pretty popular, minimalistic demo application from a VWorks. And uh, it's just standard deployment, nothing special uh, there. And uh, I think we want to expose it. Yeah, uh, so ob obviously it has associated cluster IP service, so front end pod info. And uh, if we want to expose it, we can just create uh, JSLB kind. So, it, uh, so that's an initial spec. It's already there, but I'm just to demonstrate the specification. So our special API version, kind GSLB, standard metadata, and the main part of the spec is actually embedded in REST, which is one-to-one -to, -one to the standard in REST. It's actually the same Golang type and how it's implemented in a Golang code. And here we specify the standard rules and reference to uh, standard service, so nothing special about it. We just have an embedded ingress spec there with, uh, uh, with information of the Kubernetes service we want to expose. And uh, in addition to that, we compose a special to JSLB uh, part of the spec, which is strategy. And here we are specifying failover and the primary geographical tech. Uh, basically, we are saying that the main primary uh, cluster is Europe for now. For this workload, and uh, it should ret return Europe, like we see it here, uh, uh, until uh, workload fails. So, uh, and we can quickly 
tested. So it returns like like here. So here is a, a, a on the right pane is just a curl loop, right? Which is gripping this geotech uh, and the workload in this cluster was. Uh, mm, uh, especially, uh, we propagated this uh, geographical tag uh, just for visibility, right? So we, uh, we are uh, using this tag in a, for demonstration purposes uh, to be aware uh, from which the center the response is coming. And uh, obviously, can use BIC uh, to figure out uh, uh, what kind of responses <coughs> it, it is returning as a found. So, uh, and uh, next to this workload, we already have a, a GSLB uh, resource, custom resource deployed. So it's already there, exactly one-to-one -to, -one, uh, to the one that, to the YAML files that I showed to you before in Vim. So referencing front-end pot info, uh, picking up the service health status, and it is reminding that it's healthy and returns uh, the specific set of array. So what is this uh, set of array? We can actually figure it out quickly. Uh, we requested the standard resource, right? So for failover, it's this uh, standard ingress resource for failover, it created, uh, uh, it has an associated NLB sitting in front for like in this demo, we are using standard ingress uh, engines controller. Uh, KGB is designed to pretty much ingress agnostically. They also tested LB uh, worked uh, nicely. So whatever is exposed here in a status uh, of ingress uh, uh, in address is going to be used as a part of this DNS response by uh, uh, by KGB. Uh, so, mm, so basically it works in, uh, uh, <clears throat> in consistent way with the standard resources. So we can uh, dig this, this NLB created and you can see that that's exactly the one. So uh, that's the same IP address set. In the meantime, what is happening in Africa. So exactly the same situation, the same workload is deployed there. Uh, same, this will be one-to-one, -one. nothing is uh, changed for the specs. So they are identical, they, the single same file, YAML file, is a source for is a source for both custom resources in a both uh, clusters, and here it just uh, by initial deployment via these data centers are geotagged differently. So European one is tagged as European one, is EU West one, and uh, African is obviously as if South one uh, one to one to, accordingly to the uh associated edibles regions here workload is also healthy but given that we are utilizing failover strategy it also returns uh, the ip addresses for europe because the primary is an europe data center so both clusters are aware of each other's state and they are uh, returning 
consistent DNS responses. So they're aware of uh, what is happening with, uh, uh, with the workloads that they are running. Uh, with, with, uh, um, they are thinking, thinking the state <coughs> of uh, uh, front-end pod info, which is just will be ex uh, exposed through this FQDN. So let's uh, emulate some failure. So we can switch back to the Europe. We can double check that we're in Europe. So you was one. And we can basically try to uh, emulate the failure by standard approach. We just scale down to uh, front end pod info to, to zero replicas, right? And uh, keep an eye on what's happening here. So currently it's four, uh, 503, so it's this DNS detail limitation. Uh, so it's not immediately picking up the update, right? In the meantime, we can uh, look at what is happening in JSLB status. So it's already returning in a different set of IP. The African ones, it picked up that it's unhealthy. What is happening in Africa? It's healthy and it's returning its own uh, uh, IP address. So they again consistent. They already shared the information. So after uh, DNS TTL will be expired, uh, we should see an African geotech in our uh, test loop. Hopefully, pretty soon. Take some time. Yep, and here we go. It successfully failed over to Africa in an automated way. So, yeah, uh, as you can see, everything works fine, but we are operating in the limits of DNS protocol still. So for us, it's fine, especially it's global scenario, right? It's in, not in cluster. So uh, both. Uh, uh, geographical failover success will happen. Do you guys have any question at this point in time? Um, yeah, I had a question from from someone on Slack. Um, that was saying mm -hmm. in the in the in the KGB documentation, it says that one of your goals is not to reinvent the wheel and to use other proven and supported CNCF projects and other open source projects yep. when possible. What other, mm -hmm. what, other, what other projects or solutions do you use in the building of KHGB? Yeah, great question. So uh, I slightly touched it, but uh, it's cool to uh, talk about specifically on this topic. So again, these are three parts, like in the recent version of KHGB. This is controller, so which we built on this operator SDK. Uh, but it, it's our custom, the project stuff, right? Where our own logic is implemented. Another CNCF project is definitely CoreDNS uh, uh, that we utilized. We didn't implement our DNS responsive facility on our own. We reused CoreDNS and integrated it into KGB. And we used uh, uh, SIG network. Uh, I'm not sure if it's part of CNCF, most probably not, but it's definitely part of Kubernetes SIG network, external DNS project. Uh, which is responsible for integrating with uh, uh, 
outside of the cluster DNS services. So we uh, heavily using that, and we also reused a special CRD uh, from external DNS CRD source subsystem, which is called DNS endpoint. So it's not our invention, but we are using it heavily. Uh, so that's how it works under the hood. Better full failovers that we demonstrating now. So what controller does? It populates this DNS endpoint mm, CRD. Oh, sorry, uh, this one, uh, and uh, uh, that's basically any tax as a backend for core DNS, and that's how we uh, creating these DNS responses. So it is dynamically populated by a controller, and these uh, special local targets. FQDN is actually uh, is the clusters are cross-polling each other and they're sharing uh, the healthiness state. So um, European cluster uh, asks uh, directly an uh, server of uh, African cluster and asks for this FQDN resolution and uh, basically reads in their records. And if a record is empty, then it's treated that another cluster workload is not healthy. So it's simple information information sharing uh, approach. So initially, uh, like kind of naive uh, uh, approach would be uh, to expose Kubernetes API mutually uh, for the clusters, but we decided to go specifically just DNS-based information exchange because we got rid of whole class of problems. Uh, API exposure itself uh, SSL uh, uh, rotation, certificate rotation, and also authorization, authentication, additional RBAC. Uh, definitely, like as this information is definitely not sensitive. Anyway, it's posing as a part of the DNS response, the DNS based information status exchange uh, fit in the picture really well. Right. So, yeah. Does it make sense? Yep. Cool. So we can actually quickly uh, make a failover back. Uh, we getting back to EU. And we can scale back to a couple of replicas. We can check the status. So it will take another reconciliation loop. So for controller to pick it up and reflect for sure. So here, here we go. It's already healthy, already European uh, response. And another DNS TTL and information thing, uh, status thing between two clusters. And we should see an European tag here in a, uh, our control pretty soon. So yeah. Here we go, it's already returns. Uh, it's already uh, steering traffic back to Europe. And here we didn't see any 503 because workload in Africa was healthy. So it didn't, it didn't hit unhealthy, uh, unhealthy workload, so no 503 responses. So actually, uh, from time to time, 
uh, it's very useful uh, for uh, cluster operators, so like and for teams. Uh, recently, had an interesting case where uh, workload was running uh, like uh, it, it was indicated as healthy workload because pods were running and uh, liveness and readiness props were fine. Meanwhile, from a uh, uh, correctness of the service, it was broken because uh, database state, state wasn't fine in one of the in actually primary cluster. So, uh, what we did is just to patched primary geotech to a secondary cluster in both of, of the uh, clusters in picture, and we basically recovered service, service availability in one minute. So, an outcome of that, like it still was like semi-manual, meanwhile quick because it's declarative. And uh, another step to that, uh, application team are responsible for the service. They extended their uh, readiness prop, catching this, uh, making it like small end-to-end test to the database. So basically, in a next, if the same stuff will occur in future, it will be uh, detected automatically thanks to this advanced uh, prop, pod prop. So. Uh, so it is very flexible and it gives power to application te teams to control this uh, uh, traffic and uh, health check uh, <clears throat> and overall reliability scenario around the services. And yeah, we, we intentionally do not employ any kind of end-to-end -end HTTP checks, which are very standard in the classical load balancers and uh, traffic doesn't go through any centralized instance we are not passing the traffic through uh, so everything is uh, dns based and it's hitting the workload and associated ingresses directly or like to a local load balancer like nlb depending on the environment and the specific setup yeah it may be worse to demonstrate additional strategy that we use so it's it's a pretty like a demo yaml uh, which encapsulates uh which just demonstrates uh, a special uh, different statuses of uh gsob resource so like non-existing unhealthy and around robbing the strategy that we're about to demonstrate and uh uh, strategy type round robin doesn't have any parameters pretty much these are these are common for split brain mechanism of a uh, kgb for in case of horizontal network partition and the nstl seconds uh, provides you uh, ability to override the default 30 seconds one so this uh, resource is already uh, also existing so it exists there in a test gsob yeah and as you can see it uh, provides a mixed response so these three apps uh, are from europe these ones are from africa and we can definitely end to end test it with deep and we can correlate yeah and it's and it's super like 
sometimes it's uh, it's random all over the six IPs and uh, it's not deterministically flipping. So it's like mix, mixing them up. So uh, the immediate switch of the geotech is not guaranteed. Uh, and we have a backlog like uh, to to implement a consistent round robin to to enable the 50-50 traffic split. But so far this uh, random approach works for uh, us pretty well. So if uh, and if we emulate yet another failure, workload workload is actually still the same behind the, behind both of the strategies. So as you can see this round robin, it's still referencing the front end for the info exactly the one as a failover one. So we currently utilizing uh, sample JSLB traffic steering over the uh, single sample workload. So if we look at the status of a round robin, so it's already detected that this one is unhealthy and it returns only single cluster response. Yeah, uh, we're currently in Africa, so we scale down the African pods and it returns the European one. And after some time, yeah, it's already picked it up. So it returns in like end to end uh, uh, only um, only European IP addresses, and here curl we have some caching. I definitely have some caching here. That's strange. No, most probably uh, something around this killer. But yeah, the actual row dig dig uh, response is pointing to probably pointing to you. Yep. And if we scale it back, we can check the It still didn't pick up the health status. Maybe it's still getting up. Running, running. So detected is healthy and uh, returns um, response from both of the clusters. So that, that's for round robin. So I guess that's it for the demo. The question, please. Yeah, um, got a couple here. Uh, just one second. From a usability perspective, um, obviously you're somebody who has a lot of experience, right? There, there's no secret about that. Um, from a usability experience uh, perspective, for folks that are you know accustomed to working with load balancers in general, on a scale from one to ten. How difficult would you say it is to jump in to start using uh, KGB? Well, if you have, uh, so if uh, everything like is set for you, uh, uh, or like you you went through initial installation phase, which is uh, 
not super small, so but relatively simple because like not super small because you still need to deploy uh, to different clusters, right? So you need to employ some GitOps workflow ideally uh, to deliver KGB controller itself. But assuming it's all installed, it's uh, the control is uh, uh, limited, like it's simple kind, right? That's it. And the rest is a, is a standard Kubernetes stuff. So if you're familiar with Kubernetes from a kind of application developer perspective, it is very simple uh, uh, service to consume. And in addition to that, uh, well, we obviously uh, gathering feedback from our teams and we have a small exporter mm -hmm. of external users who are experimenting with a KGB for in their own infra and uh, Mm, we created this uh, trick, which uh, our customers kind of liked. So I demonstrated you a direct uh, uh, creation. So in a classic, like very basic, basic scenario, we would just use this and we would apply and that's it. As a standard, uh, uh, standard Kubernetes uh, object. But pretty frequently, uh, the ingress so and, and a controller will create a JSLB resource for you and associated ingress, uh, which is used for a global load balancing scenario. In the meantime, it is pretty frequent that application teams already have a bunch of ingresses. Uh, well, ingresses are around for their services, right? Mm. So instead of create a, another JSLB ingress in parallel, they can use an, a special annotation and to extend their ingress pack, put this KGBIO annotation tag, controller, controller will pick it up because it monitors the ingresses in a target namespace and will create uh, this guy, uh, this kind just will be automatically for you. So uh, application teams, if they want to, they can follow this way and not managing uh, specific CRD at all. They can operate just with their ingress. And people usually like it, so they don't have to modify their cam charts. They just dropping a couple of annotations there, and JSLB is getting enabled. So it actually helped work pretty well for us in terms of adoption of KGB within the company. Mm -hmm. Regarding that as well, too. Yeah, touching on that about like you know you you've been in different companies and you've seen different philosophies. Working for a company that's a, you know, a major player in the financial services sector, um, do you see it as a growing trend that more and more companies like ABSA will be using open source technologies like the one we've been seeing today? Well, uh, definitely Kubernetes uh, has a, like, uh, a great momentum, like it's almost everywhere now. Uh, and, uh, and it's not just the orchestrator, uh, container orchestrator anymore, it's platform, right? And a lot of people building some sophisticated automation on top of this platform. And I think it, it, it became, it's becoming like a common ground. Uh, I think it was Joe Beta when I talked like Kubernetes is a platform of platforms. Where, so, and it's a very nice foundation. And a lot of organizations are consuming uh, additional uh, functionality and a platforms on top of Kubernetes. Uh, so I, I definitely see this trend, and uh, it's uh, 
it's visible by CNCF, for example, as in their end user community. There are a lot of companies who joined, like from Adidas down to Bloomberg, and so like a spectrum of a business uh, uh, active users. So like uh, it's very huge, and uh, people are trying to collaborate on their solution. And uh, uh, overall, it looks really uh, great and promising. So uh, currently. We have in a community a lot of operators that are solving a lot of uh, uh, problems uh, and challenges in an automated way, which pretty much uh, uh, was hard to imagine this level of automation like just three, four years ago. So it's really great. It's true. It's true. Um, so as you said, there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of movement. I think a lot of companies are seeing that, A, this is good for business reasons, and also the tech talent is interested in using these technologies. Um, so I think that combination is... Is, uh, is what gives it so much potential. Um, with that in mind as well too, in, in your experience, do you feel that, because you know in, in our community, data on Kubernetes, we talk a lot about you know, running stateful workflows, stateful applications. Is this something that you're experiencing as well? Well, we definitely have a mixed style of workloads and big data is a huge part of it for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. just because you know, some people philosophically speaking will say, keep everything stateless, you know, just, just leave the data outside. Kubernetes is not worth it. Whereas what we're seeing in the very foundation of our community is more and more um, use cases where it seems that it, it's actually better and more practical to have everything all in the same place so that you don't have to be, uh, you know, separating or distancing things out. Uh, I have a, uh, yeah, we can actually unpack that. So I would actually leave Kubernetes clusters as a clusters pretty much immutable and stateless, but uh, it's another uh, very active new project within APSA uh, uh, and in, in community as well. Uh, you probably heard about Crossplane. Mm -hmm. So yes. yeah, yeah, I, it's also getting traction. Uh, so the overall idea is to use Kubernetes as a common control plane, not only for in-cluster resources, but also for a managed cluster, uh, cloud services. So that's where we can benefit from both worlds, all right? So still uh, running infrastructure, declarative way, utilizing control reconciliation loop. Meanwhile, when we want to really offload like the data management, so like, because like uh, maintaining state is hard in Kubernetes. So if there is a possibility to offload it and you can pay for that, it's better to do it really. So uh, meanwhile, for example, so what, what crossplane is uh, can, can do for you is uh, you can as represent the RDS in AWS as yet another Kubernetes CRD and crossplane will deploy RDS uh, for you uh, according to the spec and will provide a special secret according uh, according to the configuration uh, uh, Kubernetes secret and your application can directly consume the secret and connect to the database. Uh, so it's really powerful, and uh, we using uh, well crossplane is a huge topic on itself. It it, it enables you also create uh, additional uh, uh, IP abstraction in a declarative way, and it's really like it's changing the uh, uh, the picture on the landscape of uh, cloud infrastructure, the cold stuff. It's more like infrastructure as the data, and it's really promising. So we, we are heavily investing in that area as well. And it works very nicely together with KGB and all that stuff. I actually will be speaking on a cross-plane community day. day. It's uh, the one- 
the fourth is, uh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 that's the one uh before the kubecon so uh, i will share our experience how we actually uh deploying kgb on a hundred of clusters and we, we have like more than 120 clusters as of now wow. uh we are using uh cross plane to uh, uh deploy KGB automatically in an abstracted way in a fully like GitOpsified approach. So, right. um, Well, we will definitely be sharing that in our community because yeah. I think there will definitely be interest in that. Because like I said, is that there are different ways of looking at it. I think it does depend on the use case. It depends on a lot of different factors that have to be taken into account. Um, but Crossplane is definitely a, a player there. So I just, I just left that as a comment in our Slack. Um, we're just about out of time. We do have other questions, but we'll just continue the conversation later on. Um, Yuri, th thank you so much for sharing your time with us uh, today. This is extremely interesting, very beneficial. Also very nice to see the actual, the, the, the coding aspect of seeing this come to life and not just talking about concepts on a, on a surface level. Mm -hmm. um, so before we finish, we always have a tradition in our community um, that we like to, uh, you met Angel in the very beginning. And so while you've been talking, Angel has been very carefully uh, creating a visual representation uh, the stuff we've been talking about. So Gorka, if you can share our screen so that, oh, uh, Yuri, can you stop? Uh, can you stop yeah, yeah. sharing your screen? Yeah. Yep. Um, very, very good. So now we will share ours. So you can take a look and see uh, what uh, Angel was able to, to put together regarding all the different things you talked about. Um, there is definitely plenty of information to be, uh, to be, to be kept in mind, um, but it looks like it, it, it turned out quite well. Um, wow, so anyway, that's super that, cool. Yeah, but you did a great awesome. job. You did a great job, and he does too. Anyway, Ankhad is he he makes magic with uh, with the things that we're talking about. Um, oh, that's really impressive. Yeah, good. I'm glad you like it. Uh, well, we're very impressed with your talk, Yuri. So it's it's very nice to have something that's very well explained, very practical, um, and then we get to see the value behind it. So thank you very much. We'll definitely be looking out for your presentation on the fourth, um, and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation in Slack. So once again, thank you for your time, Yuri. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. All right. Cheers. Take care. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye.